Hola mi gente. The moment you've been waiting for is finally here. My brand new book, Financially Lit, is officially out. And I can't wait for you to get your copy. Inside this book, I'm bringing you culturally relevant and relatable personal finance advice that will allow you to finally feel seen, heard, and understood. Whether it's the guilt you feel from being the first person to make it while members of your family are still struggling, or the way that financial trauma manifests itself in negative and limiting beliefs around money, Financially Lit is here to guide you through it all. Just a few years ago, it was almost impossible to find personal finance books written for first-generation wealth-building Latinas. We have been forced to navigate the complicated world of money with a bunch of money books written by old white dudes who don't understand what it's like for us first-gen kids. But that stops right here, right now. Inside Financially Lit, you will learn how to set boundaries with your familia, with your dinero, create and pass on generational wealth, diversify and increase your income, protect yourself from financial abuse, navigate the complicated relationship between amor and dinero, invest like a white dude or better, and so much more. You can get your hard copy and audiobook version of Financially Lit at financiallylitbook.com and make sure to join our email list so you can find out when I'm stopping in a city near you for the Financially Lit book tour. See you soon. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. You're listening to Yo Quiero Dinero, a personal finance podcast for the modern Latina. I'm your host, Janice Torres-Rodriguez, personal finance expert, speaker, writer, and business coach. I teach women of color how to build wealth and gain financial independence through side hustles and investing. On this show, we're serving up POC-friendly personal finance knowledge, always with a side of sass. We're talking about how to make dinero, how to keep it, and how to make it grow. If you're ready to become poderosa with your dinero, you've come to the right place. Hola, mi gente. Welcome back to another episode of Yo Quiero Dinero, the podcast. This is your host, Janice, and I cannot wait to get into today's episode. We're going to be talking to the one and only Jennifer Hemphill of Her Dinero Matters. Jen was one of the only Latinas I could find talking about money and creating really high quality content from a podcasting perspective, strictly around money. And that for me was a game changer because not only did it give me a place of reference to know that, okay, Latinas also care about money because there's someone out here talking about it, but we need to add more voices. And so I am so honored to be able to have this conversation with Jen Hemphill of Her Dinero Matters podcast. If you don't know Jennifer Hemphill, she is a military spouse and a proud bilingual Latina that helps busy career-oriented women become the reinas of their dinero. She is a money confidence mentor, an accredited financial counselor, an author, a speaker, and host of the Her Dinero Matters podcast. Her Dinero Matters podcast is focused on the advancement of U.S. Latinas to minimize the gender wage gap while creating a healthy, confident conversation around money. She's been featured in publications such as Forbes, Clark Howard, USAA, Oprah Magazine, as well as award-winning podcasts like So Money and Stacking Benjamins. I cannot wait to get into this conversation 
with Jen Hampill of Her Dinero Matters. Let's do it. Jen, thank you first off for being here. It is an absolute honor to host you on my podcast because you are actually a big reason why I even started this. So first off, thank you. Oh my goodness. That is so <laughs> sweet. I appreciate it. I didn't realize that. And that just makes me feel good because for me doing the podcast, and especially now with the podcast being more Latina geared, I just want to make sure that we have a platform where we, the judgment free platform, a place where we really can talk money and understand our stories because of our culture, right? And Absolutely. so that means so much to me. I appreciate that. And I'm really excited to be here. Yeah. So I just want to give you a little bit of background so you know how much of an impact you've had on me personally. So I actually don't make me cry. <laughs> no, I, I will try not to, but you know. <laughs> um, okay, so I actually went down the personal finance rabbit hole in 2018 because I decided I wanted to be student loan debt free by 35 and I want to be financially independent by 45. So, of course, you know, I start devouring podcasts from people like Susie Orman and Jean Chatsky because obviously they're like the ones that are on TV all the time. Mm -hmm. And I luckily found other podcasts from amazing women of color like Journey to Launch and the Clever Girls Know podcast. But I still wanted to hear voices from women that shared my collective experience as a Latina. And so I started searching for personal finance podcasts from Latinas. And you were literally the only woman that I found oh my that was producing high quality content for Latinas about dinero. Ay, muchas gracias. So, <laughs> don't get me wrong. Like, and I know listeners know this. There's a lot of people in the Latinx community that are creating amazing podcasts, but the subject matter is usually around things like pop culture mm -hmm. or mental health or politics or even lifestyle. And while all of those topics absolutely have a ton of value, I want to talk about money. Right. And you're doing that. So just on behalf of the entire community, I just want to say thank you for being a change maker and a leader in this space, first of all. I, I appreciate that. That really, I know I said it already, but it means so much. <laughs> for sure. So I just want everybody to get to know you if they don't already. So if you could just give us a background on your on yourself and your career trajectory and kind of how you got to where you are today. Sure. So by, by my name, Jen Hemphill, you might not think I'm a Latina. <laughs> <laughs> By my maiden name, you probably wouldn't have think of a Latina. And I don't have that stereotypical Latina look aside from my curves, you know, my backside, my, my, my <laughs> we can't hide those. waist, that type of thing. <laughs> so anyways, I was born in Colombia and actually with two parents of two different cultures. My mom is Colombiana. My dad is a gringo. So to give you some perspective, so their view and mentality on money, completely different especially with because each of them had a different upbringing so that I wanted to share that because that has an impact to my money story and being in Colombia and I'm aging myself I just turned 45 and I'm like yeah I, I'm, I'm I'm owning it I'm owning it yes and especially in this quarantine and even with the you know the sparkles in my hair <laughs> but at, being raised in Colombia in the 70s and early 80s in that time frame Colombia was in a, it was just very uncertain economically. It was very challenging. Security-wise, it was very difficult. And my parents, even though they were both first, the first ones in their family to go to college and they were educated, especially for my dad being a foreigner or the gringo, it was very hard for him to 
have a job or get a job. So it was the money was scarce. My mom had her job. Uh, my dad was either baking sometimes, just side hustling as, as baking and teaching English as a second language. He was doing what he could. And there was a lot, a ton of arguments of it all boiled down to money. So I have a lot of memory of that, and especially where my dad was actually this entrepreneur driven at the very, at his, in his twenties, they did uh, have a couple businesses that unfortunately failed. And I think that had really a large impact on my parents. Uh, and because they didn't, it's funny because they were really pushing when my, I have a younger brother for us to get our education and get a career, but entrepreneurship was not one of those <laughs> options. And both of my brother and I are business owners. So it's interesting. Wow. So fast forward, we moved to the US. So I say move because I was, I had that when I was born, I was born an American citizen and I have Colombian citizenship. So we moved to the US and was basically starting over for my parents. And so again, that money was still scarce. It was, it was really every time I would hear, we don't, can't afford it. We don't have that money. I was that kid that I literally asked my parents once, can I have, what I don't $5 or $10? No, because we don't have the money. And that was it. I started babysitting, <laughs> making, you know, making my, some money so I can buy those little th things, trinkets or candy or ice cream cones, whatever it was at that time. So that was kind of my formation years. It was, I knew early on that when I grew up, I had to have more money. Now I wasn't thinking millions and millions of dollars, but I was like, I need there. I knew there, if there was a lack of money in my mind, it caused issues. Right. And then fast forward, graduated from college. I was in grad school, I got my first full-time job. And that was the first time I'm like, oh my goodness, I'm making this money. It wasn't, that wasn't a ton of money. It was like under $30,000, but it was my first job. I was like, okay, I'm paying this extra towards my car loan because I was like, I'm going to pay this off in two years. And I'm going to, I started thinking about investing in a house. This was before I met my husband. So mm -hmm. <laughs> if that, if that tells you a little where this, this is going and really looking into investing. I started to, but then I met my husband and just the trajectory changed because I fell in love and I had these different, um, these different ambitions of, I was going to go back to Colombia. I was going to become a, go to school, become a physical therapist and find my husband in Colombia. I was like, He's going to be a soccer player. He's going to be driven, <laughs> good looking, because I was all about the soccer players. Oh, my God. Yeah, of course. They're but sexy. My husband, yeah. My husband's a soccer player, and he's what? driven. Yeah. <laughs> so They're I got it all, but he was he's not Latino. He might as well be. Okay. He speaks it, like, really, really well. Uh -huh. uh, so he decided to become – be a part of the U.S. Air Force. So when we met, he was an ROTC and when we both graduated, he became an, a U.S. officer. So it was the decision of, wait, do I stay here with my job or do I accompany him? And I'm like, oh, I'm going. Because <laughs> when we had that conversation, oh, I am going with you. There's no telling how life will change. Nope, I'm, I'm going with you. So it was just, I was thrust into 
becoming a military spouse. And in becoming a military spouse, it involved moves. I, I had a career. So what now? What does this look like? And so I didn't know I was going to figure it out because I'm like, okay, I know we move. And I knew there were some things that were important for me. So just basically in that trajectory of trying to figure it out, I knew finances was something that I enjoyed. And I, my husband actually sent me an email and FINRA partnered up with an organization called AFCPE. And they were giving what's called the Military Spouse Fellowship Program, which basically pays for you to become an accredited financial counselor. And he emailed me, he's like, this might be of interest to you. And I'm like, oh, yes, it is. <laughs> Let's hop on it. And But then it was just trying to figure out what do I do with this? Because up to this point, entrepreneurship, business, owning a business, that was not in my brain. Mm-hmm. No way. Maybe consulting, but that's the form of business. I just didn't think about that in that aspect. So it was just basically this journey of some things were put in my path And then I didn't know exactly what I was going to do with that. And then I just kind of figured out as I went, because then years later, I discovered online entrepreneurship and I'm like, you can what? You can do this? What? And it was just figuring all that out. So that's essentially how that played out. Awesome. So we're going to get more into how you started podcasting and all that. So First off, I want to talk to you about like what your relationship was like with money growing up and what actually first interested you in personal finance. Well, I don't know if I knew about my relationship with money uh, growing up, but what I did know is that I think I mentioned earlier was how limiting not having money was for us and in terms of growing up. There wasn't a lot of family trips. And if there was some family trips, they were still fun. But mind you, my parents, nope, we can't stay in a hotel. We're going to do the camping. Nope, we can't uh, buy money or buy money, buy food or go out to eat. We need to uh, (laughs) stock up on those sandwiches. No, we Mm -hmm. can't do this. So, and it also meant, and in that time when I was in elementary school, or at least maybe I made it up in my own head. There was a stigma on having free and reduced lunches. I was one of those kids. And so it was meant that. And in Colombia, before we moved to the U.S., my parents decided to build a house. And they built a house uh, outside of Bogota in a little pueblo called Tocancipa. Now, mind you, this pueblo, in the Pueblo, in the pueblo, there was electricity and all that. But across the street on the mountain where my parents were building a home, it wasn't developed yet. You had to bring the electricity there, which, oh, wow. which meant money. Yeah. <laughs> so we lived without electricity for a time because of that, because it was underdeveloped. So I got to, I really had these humble beginnings and I'm, I'm happy for that because I got to experience not because we were in poverty level, but I got to appreciate what what it was to live a really simple life, what it was to wash clothes by hand because there was no washing machine and those type of things. So I, I really appreciated that. But I, it was very, very clear to me that it, if you didn't have it, it, was, it just limited you in many ways, which I was determined that that was going to be different in my case. Mm. And I love what you say about, you know, just 
you gained an appreciation for the simple things, right? And I think in a way, the quarantine that everybody is experiencing right now is making people reflect on those simple things. Like, what do you actually need to be happy versus mm -hmm. what are you spending all this extra money on thoughtlessly or mindlessly that's not even bringing you actual joy? So if, if nothing else comes out of this whole situation, I hope that that resonates and that stays with people and it makes them realize like, you probably don't need to be spending all the money that you do to live a life that, you know, meets your values and that actually brings you joy. I agree. I agree. So you call yourself an extreme or former extreme frugalist. So yeah. I'm curious what that actually manifested into and how did you actually, are you still one or did you change and what inspired you to change? I am to some extent. My, okay. <laughs> my kids call me the napkin robber. <laughs> like if we go to Chipotle and I'm like, it's not me. It's just how they, their napkin holder, you're grabbing napkins and it's just, it's so tight. You tend to grab more than you want. And what do you do? You just set them so it throws away. That's wasteful. They call me their napkin robber. And I still do some things like, I think in Latin American countries, I know in Colombia, we did that, this a lot was the jelly jar. It was, it became great classes. Right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and those were the ones that didn't break. Uh -huh. The other ones that you bought that were nice and fancy, they they broke. So I I was because I was in really hesitant on spending money. That's what I mean by extreme. Like those really things that bring you joy. I'm like, nope, it's a it's a it's a want, it's not a need. But I it was too much. I met my husband and he he's of the a mindset of I work to make money so I can enjoy life. And there's, you know, there's not, he is the spender, but not really so lavishly spending. He just knows he can just go back to work and make more money. For me, it was like, oh my gosh, we have to save the money because if we don't save money, we're not going to have any, right? So it was just very extreme. I was always saving money, but mind you, when I created the quote unquote budget, I wasn't being very realistic with our money, meaning oh, we can go and it was just us to let, we can do groceries with, I don't know what it was, $200 a month, but it wasn't realistic. And the rest I would put in savings. What would happen? I would have to go into savings to take that money out because I wasn't being realistic mm. uh, with myself. So I, I did make uh, my own laundry detergent wow. uh, for a while. <laughs> that is committed. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I did do that. But it was just a lot of things where there was just, a, it caused some issues with me and my husband where it was like, he wanted to buy these extra little things. It really didn't cost a lot of money, but because of my eyes, it wasn't a need. Mm -hmm. I'm like, we don't need to buy it. So it, yeah. it caused some issues, but it was just for me that the fruit being frugal, there's nothing wrong with it. But when you're saving money, for example, when I was making the own, my own laundry detergent, you need to, that money that you're saving, you need to account for what that is and put it to work because you don't want to right. be doing all these frugal things and quote unquote, you're saving money, but where is that savings? And that's, that's when I'm like, when I realize I'm like, okay, I need to really do some changes here. <laughs> yeah. So I'd love for you to talk more about like what, what changes you made and how you actually started moving differently with your money. Basically, I really, I'm thankful for my husband because he's really leveled me out. <laughs> And so that's helpful. I think it's important to be around with someone that 
just bring uh, that has a different uh, has a different perspective. Like there is typically mm-hmm. the spender and the saver, which we balance each other out pretty well. That that's important. But I think what really really helped was getting crystal clear on our finances. And what I mean was at that point, I was just my quote unquote budget was, okay, here's our income and here's our bills. And yeah, we may travel, we may may need some money to travel or we may, or the haircuts and that type of thing. But that was just on that spreadsheet or that piece of paper but I wasn't doing anything with it. So what really helped in getting crystal clear was accounting. I know there's that term sinking funds. Like that yes. is huge. I just always been calling it non-monthly expenses. And all of a sudden I, I see sinking fund. What the heck is a sinking fund? Mm-hmm. I had to look it up and I've been doing this for years. But for me, it was just really being really accountable to those non-monthly expenses, the trips, the gifts, those yearly bills, whatever that is. And setting money aside every single month, because when you don't do that, you're scrambling when that big bill is due, right? Or where that big expense, you're going to go, especially Christmas. That's why we get it. You know, a lot of people get into debt. But if you're setting some money aside ahead of time, you don't do that. So I think getting crystal clear helped me because I realized it's okay if my husband goes, gets those barbecue chips that he really <laughs> likes. I, it got to that point. I'm like, barbecue chips again? <laughs> it, it was silly. It was silly. But I was. it was that fear in me of not being able or fearing not having enough money. And that's what yes. it was. And I think a lot of people can relate to that. So I love what you talked about, your husband kind of balancing you out. I feel like my husband and I were kind of the same. I'm more of the frugalist. He's more of the spender. And as time has gone by, we've kind of balanced each other out. And we were actually talking about that last night. I asked him like, you know, do you think I've like influenced how you deal with money? And he's like, absolutely. Like, I just didn't have a vision for planning for the future before we got together. And now it's like, he realizes a lot of his spending habits came from, you know, growing up in a Mm -hmm. scarcity mindset and just trying to make up for the lack that he had growing up. And so I think, yeah, when you can find a partner that helps you figure out what you're not so good at and, you know, rounds out your, your money issues, it's always a good thing. (laughs) Absolutely. I agree. Yeah. So when you're thinking about your journey with money and just your relationship with money, what's something that you're super proud of that you've been able to accomplish? I think besides uh, paying off debt, but I think more importantly is our system and managing our finances. Because for a long time, they you hear a lot of you need a budget, you need a budget, and I'm like, okay, I have a budget, but what now? Like, what I I don't I didn't get it for a long time. And what I realized over time, our budget is our plan, but we need to implement our plan. And how we implement our plan is having a system. And that system can look like you hear the cash envelope system. So you take your budget and let's say in the food area, you accounted for, I don't know, $500, then that $500, you take that $500 and you do something with it every single month, whether it's a cash envelope system, whether it's uh, setting uh, separate it into a separate account. So really setting up that system oh my goodness, it has worked wonders because I'm not a big, I think it's important to track money, 
But I'm a big fan of keeping some things simple and tracking money and looking through the receipt and say, oh, this is for household. Oh, this is what's food. That is tedious. That is yes. so tedious. But you, if you separate your money in a way, and it doesn't have to be complicated, I, you do you and do what works for you. Because we have, for example, in our system, we have our main account where our money is deposited into. From that main account, we transfer money into different accounts for different purposes. So we have one daily account where that's where we do our groceries. That's where we get gas for the car. That's where we go out to eat. And a certain amount of money every single month goes there. So it's easier to track because you're not going through the receipts (laughs) and figuring out what's what. So you have to look at how you're spending and create a budget around that, creating those categories or buckets, if you will, that makes sense. So I'm a big fan of creating a system because that's how you implement your money. And that has worked wonders. It's easier to see where our money is going. It's easier to track how much money we're saving for the emergency fund, how much is growing. It's easier to see, oh my goodness, we've got enough for our next trip. Make life much easier than having just one account and you have to figure out, okay, we've got X amount of money. How much was for the trip? <laughs> and yes. if it's all there. Absolutely. And I bank the exact same way. I it, When you were talking about like the receipts and just having the one account. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online store shop phase to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. What I love about Shopify is how no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash dinero, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash dinero now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash dinero. It reminds me of watching my mother balancing her checkbook back in the day. Mm. And I was just like, this just looks so 
unpleasant. Like I don't ever want a bank like this. And so by the time I actually started working and earning money, um, I was, you know, the whole online banking thing was starting. So I never really got to the point where I needed to balance checkbooks. But Hmm. I do remember struggling with just having the one checking and the one savings and always having to dip into the savings because I wasn't actually allocating money for specific things. And so once I discovered that whole concept of just, well, first off, I didn't know sinking funds were a thing either up until very recently. So that's number one. I just had like seven bank accounts. Right. I would have one for travel and one for daily expenses, one for rent and, you know, student loans and whatever. And I'm just like, I didn't realize this was a thing, but it's the only thing that worked for me because like you said, I'm not into spreadsheets. I'm not going to be spending hours reviewing my budget. It's just not something that brings me any value personally, Right. but I still want to be able to know where my money's going and know if I'm in a place where if I want to do something like travel, do I have enough for that? Am I going to overdraft an account because I'm pulling out of somewhere else? So yeah, I mean, I think it just comes down to finding the system that works for you and you know, there's no right way to do it. Absolutely. There's, you have to, I think a mistake that I made on, cause I'm this perfectionist and I'm the, of the mindset of, okay, if there's someone that has this expertise, I'm going to follow to the T, right? Mm-hmm. I'm going to follow it to the T. But what I realized later was like, okay, they may know what they're talking about, but they don't know my situation. So I have to trust myself and have confidence in myself that I can take, take, pick and choose what I need and forget the rest, right? Because I think that's just so important. And that for me, for this perfectionist, it's all or nothing type of (laughs) of personality that I am that I'm like, oh my gosh, I say I'm recovering. And then it just comes back. I'm like, does this ever go away? No, it does not. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my goodness. So it's, it's that I've, I've learned those things uh, over time. That's great. All right. So I want to talk more about your podcast, Her Dinero Matters. Like, how did you even get into podcasting? What inspired that move? And how did you actually go about getting started? Well, why I got started or how I got into it is because I failed at blogging. <laughs> so when I started this, oh, wow. they told me, get a, set up a blog, set up a website and write blog posts. And I'm like, Okay, but I didn't understand why I was writing blog posts. I didn't, I didn't, I was just, I was slow to learn, I think. So what I noticed was, again, my perfectionism is, okay, I would write a blog post and it would take me forever to publish because I would read it. No, I would need to rewrite this. Oh, no. Instead of just publishing it, just, you know, not perfection, just publish it. So I think in my first year, I don't think I even published 12 blog posts. Wow. So what I was noticing is one, I was, I realized I'm like, oh, it's to create content so people can see what you're doing so they can potentially work with you. Right. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, okay, I need to figure this out because obviously blogging, it was draining in my mind. It was just like overwhelming and it just stressed me. I need to find a platform. What, what else can I do? So I saw YouTube and I had been doing some YouTube videos, but at that time I was living in I would call the North Pole, North Dakota, <laughs> where it was literally snow like almost year round. Oh, wow. And so I couldn't get the lighting. I wasn't really great at the lighting. So again, that all or nothing mentality. I did create some YouTube videos, but I wasn't consistent because it was work. It was the lighting, not not just the content, the lighting. And then 
I'm a female. I like to look nice. So then it was the makeup <laughs> and the hair. And that was just the production. And that was crazy. I'm like, no, I just can't yes. continue with this. And then I heard of podcasts. And I'm like, what is this? And I'm like, oh, wait a minute. You can talk in a microphone. <laughs> and I like to talk. Oh, I can completely do this. And mind you, I didn't think about the editing or, or that, but I'm like, okay, once I found about the editing, I'm like, no, I am not editing because again, I knew myself and I wasn't going to sit and edit for three, four hours because I knew that's probably what I would do. And so I made the decision, okay, I'm going to do a podcast and I'm going to outsource the editing right off the bat because if not, I might not be consistent. I might do several episodes and then I'm done. And so I got started in that way. And it was actually my podcast because in, in June, it'll be five years. Wow. Congratulations. Oh, thank you. But I started it as Her Money Matters. At that time, there weren't a ton of podcasts for women in finance. Mm -hmm. And so that's how I started. And then years later, I'm like, I was getting the itch of doing a podcast in Espanol and, but I'm like, no, oh, I've been, you know, I have this dedicated lawyer listener. Should I do this? And I, I kind of let it go. And then I was like, it hit me one time. I'm like, why am I not talking to my community Latinas? There's this, we're not being served. And I started the podcast, Her Money Matters, because I knew besides all, a lot of podcasts being just directed towards men, women relate to women. Well, Latinas will relate to other Latinas and her stories. And I didn't see much for them, especially in the podcasting space. I'm like, I need to go where I'm needed. There's enough podcasts for women that I'm like, okay, they're being served, but I need to go where I'm needed, especially with the stats of our community, especially with the gender wage gap. I'm like, I know I can't solve it by myself, <laughs> but yes. if I can make some sort of an impact uh, I'll be happy. And so then later it evolved to her Dinero Matters. That's amazing. I am so grateful that you pivoted your vision and shout out to YouTube content creators. Cause I don't know how they have the patience to put together like the amazing content that they do and still manage to get dressed up and dolled up and like no, I could never. And I think that's the exact same reason why I ended up on doing podcasts too. Cause I'm like, I could do this in my bathrobe. I am totally right. down with this. Absolutely. <laughs> so what do you want listeners of your podcast to know about you that they might not know already? Share I think, a little. Yeah. You know, I, me. <laughs> I think they know. Well, I don't know. Cheese me. I feel like <laughs> I'm still figuring things out. I don't, and I don't, or I try not to, I, I don't think I do. If not, if I do, it's unintentionally, but I don't try to portray myself as I've got it all together. I'm perfect with my money because I am not, but I don't think I share enough of my stories in terms of my mistakes. Uh, even after doing this podcast, after, you know, starting this career and, and this business. So I think it's for you to know that I have my flaws and I am still figuring this out. And even though my podcast really focuses on those money stories, I'm doing you, we tend to do what we need. And it's because even years later of focusing on the money stories and the impact of how that uh, really has on how we perceive and how we manage our money. There's still times that I'm like, what am I doing? I'm going back 
to the scarcity mindset, right? So it's always a work. I'm always a work in progress. And I think we all will always be, and we just always have to continue working on ourselves. Absolutely. And I thank you so much for sharing that because it's it's really easy, especially with the age of social media, for people to think that, oh, look at all these people. They have it all together. We're all struggling. We all have our moments of doubt. We're all growing and you know nobody's got it figured out. So the more you can put that message out there, I think it just helps people connect and uh, in, a, in an authentic way. Right. I agree. So what advice would you give your 18-year-old self about money, knowing what you know now? I would say, and it came with a hard lesson, and hopefully (laughs) I can share it without tears, but I would say is to be okay with the season of life you're in. You don't have to do it all at once. Remember, I've I've already said it's been all or nothing for me. And it's okay if you're in a position, especially if you're researching finances and you're seeing all these podcasts and blog posts and Instagram accounts, and you're like, oh my gosh, I'm not there yet. And you're trying to do all the things and you're feeling miserable because you can't get there. Do what you can. It's okay for that debt to be there a little while longer. It's okay if you wait another six months before you can put more money towards your retirement. That is completely okay. You don't have to do it all at once. Do what you can. Embrace that celebrate that and be okay with that. And the reason why I share that <laughs> and hope, and this is where I have to brace myself. I've never shared this with me, anybody. Oh, I have never shared this, even on my podcast. I've hinted at it, but I wasn't ready. I think I'm ready now. So the reason why I share this is when my, my youngest was born, we were financially in a, really a hard spot. If we, my, we had bought a home and in Arizona that no longer had a tenant. So we were paying rent, we were paying a mortgage, uh, and we were trying to sell the house. But it was a time, uh, this was before 2008, but in Arizona at that time in Tucson, the market completely spiked. In our neighborhood, the houses, uh, they the value went up by four times. And we're like, okay, we can sell. But then the moment we decided to sell because we were good, good landlords, we're like, yeah, our tenant needs to, you know, they were going to be in there and that just until December and we weren't just going to kick him out. And we're like, we're not greedy. We'll stay, make make some money, maybe not four times worth. It's okay. So then we put the, uh, the house on the market in January and the market crashed. So we were stuck paying mortgage and rent. My husband was the sole earner right? And I was, oh, and this was actually before my son was born. So I was pregnant and I'm like, we need to make money because at that time, my little one, he was in a preschool, but he was in a private preschool. So I put myself a lot of pressure of making sure there was money for him or for him to go to a good school. But I I put myself through uh, real estate and I became a realtor. Now, fast forward to when my baby was born with my oldest, I didn't put him in daycare because for me, I was trying to do things where I can be at home. And that was really important to me. I wanted to have the cake and all and eat it too. And so my youngest was born. I was doing real estate. My husband deployed and I was like, oh my gosh, it was, it was tough. It was tough because my, 
I had two boys. I was raising them. I was doing all the things, trying to uh, earn some extra money because I'm like, oh my gosh, this house, our emergency funds were being depleted rapidly. And I'm like, what happens when they're gone? And so I put a lot of pressure on myself to make more money. Now, the daycare part, <laughs> I decided I needed to, in order, real estate is not easy like they make it. So I needed some time to myself. It was hard to find daycare that was part-time. So I found a daycare that was, finally found daycare that was part-time. I went through the motions, highly recommended. And I decided to talk to my husband. I'm like, I just need these extra hours. And so I put him in daycare. Everything was good. My husband came back from deployment, picked him up one, one afternoon and she said, he's been crying. I'm like, okay, uh, who knows, you know, babies get sick. This was before he was one year old and took him home and he was just unconsolably crying. I'm like, he had a little bit of a temperature. So, you know, we were giving him the Tylenol, but the next morning I'm like, and I was doing all the things that do I see doctors do, but I didn't know what these things were for. I was touching his belly. I was moving his legs. And in the morning I'm like, we need to take him in. Because I'm like, I don't know what's going on. Like nothing we're doing is helping him. Yeah. So we took him to the emergency room. There we're doing the examinations. And all of a sudden, we've got um, police. We've got, uh, what is it? The the people, the social. Child protective services. Yes. Oh my gosh. In the room. And I'm like, what the heck is going on? And. He, his thigh, his leg had to sustain a fracture. Oh my God. Mind you, granted, they have to do their job. So here we are as parents. I took him in. I don't know what's going on with him. We're interrogated. The daycare person is interrogated. We were put through, we were all put through a um, lie detector <laughs> a wow. test. And it was, I mean, we, we were, we didn't do anything. But why I share this is I was doing, trying to do it all. Mm. If I look back, could we have made ends meet with what we had? Yes. But I put the pressure upon myself. And I can't tell my son what really happened to him because she was not, they couldn't um, convict her. They And later on, years later, I found out she was in the news again for oh something God. even worse with the, Yeah. So that is something that, for me, has it forever impacted. He's fine, but the fracture where he was, it, he had to have surgery. He had to have one of those um, tornillos. Like brace or something, yeah. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. And then he had to take it out. I mean, it was, it's for me as a mom, it was just, it's hard for me because one, I feel guilt. I, 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 I didn't want to put him in daycare, but I felt like I needed to. Uh, and two, I can't really, t I don't know what happened. 
Yeah. Right. So all because I was trying to do it all. So that's why I say for me, the biggest lesson has been you don't have to do it all. If, if you have to wait, if you can only do a little bit, do that. Don't feel like just because on social media and everywhere you're saying, oh, I paid X amount of money of debt in two days. I'm exaggerating here. Mm-hmm. You don't have to do that. Your story is your story and you can celebrate that story for you when you're when you have it right and and that's completely okay and that's why I share that and this is the first time I share that and I didn't cry. Woo. Oh my gosh, Jen! <laughs> thank you so much for sharing that. That was so impactful, and I can only imagine like how you were feeling in those moments, just questioning every decision that you made. Like, oh, and absolutely. I think we can all relate to that. You know, sometimes we just get so caught up in the the chaos of life that. There can be times where we make decisions that maybe looking back, we wouldn't make. So I just thank you so much for sharing that. That was that was no really problem. brave of you. <laughs> so I really am curious, are you someone who focuses a lot on mindset? And if you do, is there something that you say to yourself, like a money mantra when you're trying to like change your money situation or just reframe the way that you're perceiving a certain situation when it comes to finances? Yeah. So I do have a money mantra that I love, but I I have to say it is a part of what I focus on, but you can't just focus on mindset and think everything's going to be okay. Right. I action, you have to follow it with action. The mindset is a big piece, which is why I wrote my book because of that impact it had on me of finding out, you know, doing all the things and not getting anywhere and realizing that it was my mindset that was holding us back. So it is an aspect, but not all. And I think for me, because it's something that I still work on is that for the the money mantra that I like to say to myself is I am worthy of all the money that comes into my life. And that is yet waiting for me to let in. Mm. Because sometimes there is this guilt, uh, especially when, when you have family members that aren't in a great financial position. So there's this guilt that I take on. And uh, sometimes there is this guilt of, or not necessarily guilt, but I make things harder in business than they need to be. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Or because I'm in the space of helping, right? Especially when it comes is helping someone with their finances, I would, if I could, I would do it all for free. <laughs> uh, but I, that's just not a good business decision. So I have to tell myself I'm worthy of it. I don't need to feel guilty making money for helping people with their finances. Absolutely. And I think that is such an important message, especially as women. I feel like we absolutely undervalue our skills. We're afraid to ask for what we're worth. And we want to help everybody. But when you're in a position that you can take care of yourself and you have abundance, you can actually help more people. Absolutely. So why not? Why not get what you deserve so that you can continue to fulfill your mission and your destiny however you you know you want? Absolutely. Because the more you have, the more you can help. And also it's it helps you're setting the tone, you're setting the example for others, especially with Latinas, we, a lot of us come with that scarcity mindset of that struggle of that, really the survival mode, right? And if we set that example, it's okay to have this money and 
it, it just sets a tone and allows more people to feel that way, which obviously then they make work to make more money and help more people. And mm-hmm. we're just going to continue to kick butt. For sure. <laughs> well, speaking of kicking butt, where can we find out more about you and follow you and your journey? Sure. Simply at jenhemphill.com. That is my website. You can find my podcast on there. And also, I'd love it if you follow me on Instagram. It's just her matters. We have a lot of fun on there. Amazing. Okay, so Jen, I can officially say that I have had my Oprah moment in interviewing oh, you. No. So- <laughs> oh my gosh, thank you. <laughs> this has been an absolute honor and a pleasure. I appreciate it. Thanks so much for having me and for doing what you do because we need more Latinas in this space. So I am so thrilled that you're doing what you're doing with the podcast because uh, we need it. We need the, the more, the better. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Thank you. I really hope you love today's episode with Jen. I want to thank her so much for being so brave and vulnerable and sharing that really personal story with us. And I really hope that it becomes a reference point for you to take as a lesson. Don't try to do it all. It's okay to say, you know what? I don't need to be everything to everybody right now. I need to be what I need to be for those around me, for me, and prioritize what is the most important thing. Because when we try to do it all, something is bound to drop. It's just like trying to juggle one too many bowling pins, okay? Think about it like that. At some point, there's just not gonna be enough hands to catch all the crap that's falling. Make sure that you are putting in boundaries for yourself and your family, and just really being cognizant and mindful about what you choose to participate in and be okay with saying, no, I just can't deal with that right now. As a reminder, if you're loving the Yo Quiero Dinero podcast, please make sure to rate, review, subscribe, and share. That way, amazing listeners like you can find us too. We want everybody out here being poderosa with their money. And so if they know about us, they can start doing that too. If you don't already follow us on social media, make sure that you follow the Yo Quiero Dinero podcast on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Pinterest, and even TikTok. Yep, we're doing TikToks too. And don't forget to visit the Yo Quiero Dinero podcast blog, where you can find episode show notes, as well as personal finance articles, news about events, and more. Until next time, guys, stay inspired, stay confident, and stay poderosa. On the Yo Quiero Dinero podcast and associated entities, all information provided is for general information purposes only and does not constitute accounting, legal, tax, or other professional advice. Listeners should not act upon the content or information found here without first seeking appropriate advice from an accountant, financial planner, lawyer, or other professional. We assume no responsibility for information contained on this podcast and associated entities and disclaim all liability with respect to such information, including but not limited to any liability for errors, inaccuracies, omissions, or misleading or defamatory statements. 
usage of this podcast and associated content constitutes an explicit understanding and acceptance of the terms of this disclaimer.